Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the know, non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. That, uh, that final drive, eight seconds left. The ball's thrown short to, to Conklin, who runs out of bounds. It takes like five seconds off the clock. Um, is that a play where you're... Com- we were just trying to get a little closer to throw the Hail Mary. Oh, my God. Dude, I am going to pop off right now. I need to restrain myself. I don't I don't even think Mike really believes that. that I, I think it, that's him trying to defend Dude, are you Kubiak serious? and Kirk Cousins. Don't you? I think he's just, he's in self-preservation <laughs> mode, so he's not going to go off. Not yet, at least. Kirk had, Kirk had a similar thought that we'll play later. Um, well, this is a special, actually, live edition of Purple Daily presented by Surly Brewing Company. We had some technical issues earlier, and we said, bleep it. Let's do it live. Bleep it. We'll do it live. As Bill O'Reilly once famously said mm-hmm. in the 90s. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff. This is Daily Vikings Entertainment, or in, in this case, therapy and venting. <laughs> Uh, if you want the full Vikings vent line episode, it was uh, it was something fierce yesterday, and you can find it almost two hours of just venting and therapy, I guess. So check that out on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast feed. Um, if you guys are watching us on a TCL TV, perhaps we thank you for that. You're supporting the show, supporting one of our sponsors, and TCL is. Uh, offering a new lineup of award-winning TVs, delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. All right, it's Pie Chart Monday, boys. Mm -hmm. When the Vikings win, which is once so far in seven preseason and regular season Mm -hmm. games, we do the Pie Chart of Praise, but when they lose... Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Judd Zolgad, grab a knife, slice up some pie charts of blame. You go first. Five slices of pie. On the clock. On the clock. By the way, don't rush through this. Yeah, but take this. this I uh... feel like today's pie charts need to be meticulously. Right now we're. Slowing it down. Oh, we are wasting some time. We got time. No, we're we got let's time. Let's huddle up. Let's, we got plenty of time. Yeah, let's we got time. two and a half minutes left. Let's <laughs> huddle up. We got time. Let's huddle up. It'll be great. You know what I want to do? We're trying to get closer to the end. I want to leave you guys with no time left to beat me on my pie chart, so I'm just going to extend this till it's triple zeros on the clock. All right. Starting at the bottom. 
3%. Small little sliver. You like that? Piece of pie goes to Kirk Cousins. Just once, I want the final drive. of. I want my quarterback to take the final drive of a game when you got a chance to tie or win by the you-know-whats and just take control and not check it down. No, no, no. I want... I want that last pass to Thielen to be a touchdown. Oh, my God. You're down by one now. Oh, oh, and now you're tied because Greg Joseph surely makes the extra point, right? Um, Kirk Cousins was 6-for-6 six six on the opening drive of this game, and then after that was 14-for-32. During the course of the Mackey and Judd program, I told you guys that on that last drive, Kirk Cousins... Three of nine for 28 yards, and 19 of those came on one play. So a 3% piece of pie. Just a teensy-weensy piece of pie goes to Kirk. Because just once, I want my quarterback to be like, no, no, today we don't lose. Not today. Today, 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 I find a Greg Lewis, Lewis, Lewis in the back of the end zone. Today, end zone. today, today welcome, I consider welcome. myself, myself, the clutchiest, clutchiest quarterback, quarterback in the history of the world. world, world. So... I'm not putting the loss on Kirk, but I am saying that last drive. I, I you know what? Yeah. I never thought they're going to score here. I thought this I game's know. done. Okay, bigger piece of pie, not the biggest, but a bigger piece of pie. Seventeen percent goes to the offensive line. Just one word for them: woof, woof. You were great. The offensive line against. Seattle, damn good. And we talked about weeks two and three. Hey, they've improved. Chandler Jones, no sacks. After he had five in week one. We've talked about the offensive line and its strides. Well, there weren't a lot of strides on Sunday. Pass protection was awful. The pressure on Cousins was constant. The run blocking was not great. Cleveland's defense is good. Guess what? You're going to play good teams at home. 17% offensive line. 20% 20% goes to a man whose show closed after a brief, outstanding start on Broadway. 20% goes to Clint Kubiak. The scripted plays, this bravo <laughs> opening night, unbelievable, New York Times, 10 stars. Oh, wait, wait, we have to do this tomorrow night, too? And then after and the that, next night? Yeah. And then after that, they're like, everyone who Matt was May. in the cast on opening night, there, there are now replacements for them. In the role now of the quarterback is a guy who's going to get skittish. The offensive line is going to become a bunch of uh, Division three players. Uh, the, the, the script was great. What happened? What uh, happened to the, the script? script? We'll, we'll always have the first scripted exactly. offensive drive against the Browns. Never forget. The Never understudy forget. sucked. 20% Clint Kubiak. Seriously. Touchdown. Oh, my God. Here we go. Hang on to your hats. Not so much. 20%. And this is like the second or third time I've done this during the course of the season, but I think it's deserved. 20% goes to Rick Spielman, GM of this team, who definitely had a, a, a big hand in either approving for or going out and pursuing Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson, who Dex tells me graded out really well in the PFF grades, but nonetheless, you didn't stop the run. You got gashed consistently in the run game, and those guys were signed to stop the run. I know that Pierce was playing hurt, but this is the fourth consecutive game where an opponent has gone over 100 yards. Uh, Seattle partially didn't go crazy because the Vikings did such a good job in that game of eating up clock that the Seahawks had a limited time of possession in the second half, but I think they were at 98 yards through the first half of that game. 
Uh, the offensive line, which is a direct result, by the way, of your decision to sign two defensive tackles, the offensive line was awful. So, I mean, there's a lot of things here that come back on personnel decisions made by the GM, right? I'm giving them 20%. You know, that loss, you got to beat good teams, buddy. And your team was in no position. And then, finally, a 40% chunk of pie goes to head coach Mike Zimmer and his entire team. The Browns in your stadium, dominating time of possession, tried to hand you this game how many times? And you're like, no, we're good. No, 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 no. Kevin, you take it. And Stefanski's like, no, Mike, I want you to have it. I love you. You help me. And he's like, no, Kevin, you're like a son to me. You take it. And it's like Mike, back and forth. Mike, Mike I Mike, love we're you. Gonna, we're going to win like 12 more of these. You need this win more than I do. It was like a Star no. Wars where the mentor kills himself at the end to preserve the young, the young guy. That's never happened uh, once in Star Wars. Okay, it sounds like Star Wars, oh, though. Wait, 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 two things. What? First of all, spoiler alert. Uh, second of all, have you ever died. seen it? Have you never? I finally watched Star Wars mm. movies like a year ago. Hell no. I've seen one. I saw Leave the original the Star Wars to me. Okay. <laughs> I said, yeah, Declan. Well, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't. Hans died? Han Solo died, right? Judd's like, it's like the end of Rocky IV where yeah. the Russians take over yeah. America. It, it, it's, like where wait, the, it's like where the Russians hack Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. Oh, wait, that really oh, wait, might happen. That actually might actually, happen. I, actually, I have an update on that yeah. in a second. So just anyway, keep, go ahead, go. Judd. Anyway, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. 40% for Zimmer and his entire team because you blew a game that was against a good team that tried to give you that game. 20% to Spielman, 20% to Kubiak. Your play closed after one drive. Offensive line, 17%. And a small piece for Kirk Cousins for a last drive that was just really, again, pathetic. There it is. All right, Judd Zolgad comes in That's very consistently now. It's six, six, six and a half minutes. I'm on the six pie minutes, chart. yeah. We started keeping track because a few weeks ago, Judd went like 13 and a half minutes with his pie chart. On a preseason I think it was after the, on a, it was pre-season a preseason game. game. Yep. And then Declan started to time it, and then Phil's like, well, come on, we can still give our pie charts. And now it's just a battle royale of timing. So there it is. That's the first pie chart of blame. Uh, I do have an update for you guys. So just in, yeah. hackers have stolen private information from over 1.5 billion Facebook accounts. And now they're selling, these hackers are selling that private user data on the dark web. So, uh, yeah, Facebook and Instagram were hacked today. Might want to change your passwords. And I also uh, want to shout out Federated Insurance. If your business is looking to <laughs> minimize risks, uh, maybe Mark Zuckerberg should give our friends at Federated a call here today. Federated has been helping with risk management for over 100 years. They're based in Owatonna. They are one of us. And you can find out how they can protect your bottom line and your employees at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right. Strap in, boys. Oh, boy. I've got four four pieces of pie. And I cannot promise that I will stay under six and a half minutes. Nice. Because I am worked the F up Love it. TikTok. All right. All right, let's start with a 50% chunk of pie to what I think is the entire or main key to Vikings' repeated mediocrity and failure against good teams. 50% of this pie chart of blame to me is the Vikings' inability, the offense, the inability to overcome defensive pressure, okay? And so I'm putting multiple ingredients within this slice of pie. I'm putting the offensive line. I'm putting Kirk Cousins. I'm putting play calling and scheme, even front office philosophy, which I'll I'll get to as well. So 
Yesterday, the Vikings allowed 29 defensive pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. Rashad Hill, by the way, was the biggest culprit with 10. Uh, Ole Udo allowed 8. In total, and a lot of those came like multiple on one play, so it wasn't like 29 different dropbacks, but it was 29 pressures over like 19 dropbacks. Kirk was pressured on exactly half of his 41 dropbacks, all right? When he was kept clean, he's basically the MVP. Like this dude with a clean pocket for years has just been a sniper, a dart thrower. 74% completions, 8.5 yards per attempt. Comfortable Kirk, just sitting back there. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, just just lasers all over you the like field. Right? You like that? Well, that's not how the NFL works. You don't get to sit out there for three hours every week when you got guys like Miles Garrett, you got guys like Khalil Mack. Like, there's just a bunch of dudes, 260 pound machines that are looking to rip your helmet off, right? Yep. Um, so when he was pressured, 32 percent completions, two and a half yards. Per attempt, it was a train wreck. And by the way, that's that's a pretty wide gap. It's not quite as bad if you go back the last couple of years. But like the drop off, and I'm not even going to just say Kirk. I'm going to say the Vikings passing game because so many people are you blaming Kirk? Well, he's part of the equation. Offensive line is part of the equation. Not moving the pocket schematically when you're seeing this happen is part of the equation. The Vikings have one of the biggest drop offs in their passing game the last two or three years, according to PFF, according to passer rating, clean pocket versus pressure. So you can either try to prevent pressure more by having a better offensive line and investing more resources into it and not whiffing on guys like Garrett Bradbury, or and or you could find a quarterback that doesn't melt down as much when pressure hits, right? Um, and so, you know, I, well, but all quarterbacks, you know, play more poorly when they're under pressure. Yeah, but like they don't look incompetent and overwhelmed all the time. And again, it's not all on Kirk. A lot of it's on Rashad Hill. A lot of it's on the front office for not finding the right players. Um, but you can either find better offensive linemen and or find a quarterback that doesn't see such a significant drop-off between clean pocket and pressure. That was the game yesterday. The Vikings schemed up a nice little scripted first offensive drive. The Browns with a smart coaching staff came back and said, all right, nice job, Vikings. Uh, we're going to go and figure out a couple things here, how to get pressure. And... Um, we're going to come back at you, and there's never a counter to the counter. <laughs> it's like the opposing team finds a way to get pressure, and they punch you in the mouth. The 49ers playoff game a couple years ago, right? Um, several games last year, and it's like the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and the offensive line have no ability to do anything positively when the opposing team gets pressure. Absolutely. So, uh, so 50% is just the Vikings offense inability to handle pressure. Close cousin to that piece of pie, I'm going to give 15% to Rick Spielman and the front office for enabling the Vikings' struggles against pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The offensive line depth is really non-existent. I mean, Rashad Hill has to play, right? Like, he is your your first number one backup offensive lineman. He's the backup right tackle and left tackle, and he can't handle himself against good edge rushers. Mm -hmm. That dude was just worked like a drum... Uh, by Miles Garrett yesterday, <laughs> 10 pressures allowed. Ole Udo has been a nice story to start the season, but he's still an experiment at right guard, right? Yes. And he allowed yeah. eight or nine pressures yesterday. Yep. And Garrett Bradbury, it's like we celebrate when he's just an average player for a week. It's he doesn't like, get oh, pushed man. around. Oh, yeah, my God, he didn't get pushed around. 
He only allowed five pressures today. It wasn't so bad. So 15% to Spielman for enabling the Vikings' struggles against pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20% to Mike Zimmer, who is now 17-41 and 41 in his head coaching career against teams that finished the season with winning records. And I'm, I'm, he was 17-39 and 39 going into the season. I'm putting the Cardinals and the Browns in the winning record category and projecting them. I am Steve Kornacki. I am John King. Up here in Arizona, there's going to be a yeah. victory. <laughs> I am projecting the Cardinals and the Browns as finishing the season with a winning record. We'll see about Cincinnati and Seattle and right. where they fall in this. Um, but that's 29% as a winning percentage against teams that finish the season with a winning record. In the Kirk Cousins era, that record is 5-21. and 21, So it's even worse percentage-wise. So that means going back to when they brought in Kirk Cousins, Kirk and Mike together as a defensive and offensive figurehead, right, are 5-21 and against teams that finished the season with a winning record. All of this research from our friend and loyal listener, Minnesota Researcher on Twitter, the best coaches are all 500 or better against winning teams. And there's a bunch of other guys that have been fired, like Bill O'Brien and Doug Peterson over the last six or seven years that are better than Zimmer, Jason Garrett, in that category. So um, he tr- this is the funny part. Since 2014, among coaches that have coached at least three seasons in the NFL, the two worst coaches against winning teams are Mike Zimmer and Jay Gruden, both from the Bengals' tree of incompetence, but also two guys that combined for six-plus seasons of Kirk Cousins as their starting quarterback. And so he's either the luckiest, unluckiest quarterback of all time or... Uh, he plays a role in not being able to to beat winning teams. Um, and then my final chunk of pie here, and I'll have Dex hit a sound. Actually, let's play the sound bites back to back. Is that Zimmer one you played and the Cousins one? Fifteen percent to terminally flawed late game and late half decision making. All right, this is Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins explaining. Okay, with eight seconds to go and no timeouts needing a touchdown to tie from the 32-yard line, why are you throwing a check down to Tyler Conklin to get, like, five extra yards? Does the five extra yards from the 32-yard line to, like, the 27-yard line drastically impact your shot into the end zone? Or wouldn't you rather just take two shots into the end zone? Let's hear from the coach and the quarterback. In that, uh, in that final drive, eight seconds left, the ball's thrown short to, to Conklin, who runs out of bounds. It takes like five seconds off the clock. Um, is that a play where you're... Com- we were just trying to get a little closer to throw the Hail Mary. And here's the quarterback. I think it comes down a little bit to just how much time do you have from a pass rush standpoint. How are they playing in terms of how aggressive are they and how soft are they? And, uh, uh, you know, you can't turn the ball over. You know, otherwise, you don't have that chance at the end. So you're better off taking as many yards as they'll give you to get yourself into a realistic throw at the end where, you know, it would have to go to the end zone. Dude, I'm, my, my head's going to literally explode here live on Purple Daily. So they both referred to the Hail Mary or the final shot as if, like, everything was a buildup to three seconds left and one shot. No, it's not. Once you get inside, like, the 40-yard line, you got – they actually had 12 seconds left when Thielen caught that pass and, and they called the timeout. So with 12 seconds left, you for sure have time for two shots into the end zone, maybe a third. Now, if, now if you throw a pass like the first pass with 12 seconds left, 
that was uh, an outbreaking route that would have brought them inside the 10 had it been complete. All right, like there's a big difference between like the 32-yard line and the 10. But a check down that gets you five yards is a worthless play in that situation. Anybody with any sense for like game theory and late game strategy, coordinator, head coach, quarterback, doesn't throw that check down. They just throw a pass in the end zone. And then you might say, well, Kirk was referring to the pressure on that play. He didn't have time on that check down. He checked it down because he was forced to. Um, I don't have the screenshot here to put up on our YouTube channel, but if you go to my Twitter account, I do. And I swear to God, I even like contacted uh, some friends with all 22 film in the industry so I could see. I want to see, was there a pressure that forced him to check this down? I watched this play at like 5 in the morning. I woke up just like irrationally annoyed by this loss to the Browns. He was pressured on a lot of plays in that game. He was not pressured on that play. There was a lot of coverage because the Browns are playing prevent defense and they're trying to prevent you from, you know, scoring a touchdown on that play. Yes, that's But why. he's talking about, well, you don't want to throw an interception. Dude, the game is over. Like, you need – an interception doesn't matter in that spot. Yep. We will all forgive you if you throw an interception in that spot. And I'm making a big deal out of this because, like, there's a lot of other reasons why they lost the game. But so many games are won and lost inside two minutes, inside 30 seconds, right? And when your coach and your coordinator and your quarterback are all thinking – well, we only get the one shot into the end zone, so we need to throw checkdowns until we get there. That's flawed thinking. Of course the Vikings lose and are bad late in halves and late in games because they don't think about the way to maximize your strategy. The risk isn't throwing an interception. The risk is not throwing a ball into the end zone a second time right? to maximize your chances to score and tie the game. But Kirk has shown a willingness on that exact drive to check down almost every time he runs it. So like there's I don't want to throw an interception. And, no, dude, you need to score a touchdown. And the thing that's and the reason why I'm calling BS on what both Mike and Kirk said is to go back to the ball that Kirk I think in the fourth quarter threw on first down that was picked off the deep pass for Thielen where he acknowledged we had to take a chance we had to get something going. When is yeah. it more important to get something going than when you're down by seven and time is running out? Like that? How does that like that's what how doesn't does that com- doesn't work? How does the completed pass to Conklin, let's say you go from the 32 to the to the 26 or whatever it is. Yes. How does that, wouldn't you rather, and, and I'm asking rhetorical questions here, let's say it's a 10% chance to complete a pass in the end zone from like 30 yards out, right? I'd rather run that 10% chance twice than have like a slightly incremental better chance, 12% on one play. Yeah. But they were both thinking, well, we only get one Hail Mary. And you brought, the, you brought this up on Mackey and Judd. Actually, if you've got time for two plays and people are complaining about Adam Thielen getting accosted in the end zone, refs never call that on the last play of the game. But if it's the second to last play of the game. And it's going to be back-to-back they, shots, right. They might call a penalty in the end zone and put the ball at the one-yard line, and now you've got time to run a play from the one-yard line. But they don't think about this. But the other thing, because- too, is this. <laughs> um, let's define a Hail Mary pass, okay? 50-yard line. Hail Mary pass. Yeah. 40-yard line. Hail Mary. I'll give you Hail Mary. What you do about the 30, that's a pass that should be sort of at least a really decent percentage. That's not a Hail Mary. Like, you don't launch. A Hail Mary is literally dropping back and launching the football and saying, Hail Mary full of grace. So when you have the ability to drive the ball into the end zone for an intended target, like a Hail Mary very rarely actually has one intended target. So that wasn't a Hail Mary pass. They had actually put themselves in position to take two shots 
that would have been decent shots or should be. Yep. There's I, I also see a lot of people Just for whatever why? reason, like there's still people like running to the defense of Zimmer and Cousins say it's like, no, this is a day to just vent and tee off, okay? Yep. At least that's how I look at it. And uh, some people bringing up, well, Hall of Famer Brett Favre, if you go look at the, uh, go look at the end of that 49ers game, the, you know, the pass to Greg Lewis. Um, Brett Favre threw it. The Vikings were at the 40, and then Brett Favre threw a check down to get it to, like, the 32 or something like that. It was actually a very similar spot on the field. Mm-hmm. The biggest difference there is, first of all, when you're when you're at like the forty compared to the thirty, that's actually a pretty huge distinction. Like the forty is a hail mary. Yes, the thirty is a long pass, but yes. it's like that extra ten yards gives you some more options. Correct. So number one, like there's a huge difference between that and where the Vikings were yesterday. And number two, that checkdown came with I believe sixteen seconds left on the clock. Brett threw the hail mary pass with another play in his back pocket. So if that pass to Lewis wasn't complete, and I think it would have been fourth down then. Brett still would have had a second chance to throw a ball into the end zone, but they struck gold on the first one. The Vikings didn't even give themselves a second throw into the end zone because they checked down with eight seconds left. And I know that I'm I'm overblowing like a small part of this game, but it's a microcosm of why the Vikings don't fare better in late game and late half situations under Zimmer and under Kirk Cousins. And what did I clock in at? That was Brett Favre. <laughs> 14. Oh, 14. Oh, All man. Oh, delayed I'm, game. I'm sorry. Love it. 14. So Love five. it. No, that's a long, I mean, yeah, that's an impressive drive right there. Impre- oh, why when I do it, is it Because get time, he did it after a legitimate when, loss. You did it because you know of a I saw, preseason I saw what was coming. Because I saw <laughs> what was coming. I was forecasting the woes to come. The woes. <laughs> the woes. Uh, all right, Declan. All right. The Rock knows how you feel. So, hold on. so right. 15% terminally flawed late game strategy, 15% Rick Spielman for enabling Viking struggles against pressure, 20% Mike Zimmer for never being able to beat good teams, and 50% to the Vikings' offensive inability to uh, to counter pressure in any way. There you go. All right, I'll, I'll construct a little little pie here. I'll try to pick up the, the crumbles and assemble a new one. Uh, I'm actually pretty in lockstep with Judd on my first few pieces of pie. Just 5%. I'll start at the bottom working my way up like the gentleman I am. 5%. Just 5 to Kirk Cousins. Because he does deserve some blame for this. Baker Mayfield gifted you a chance to win this game. Baker had the yips. He looked like Chuck Knobloch trying to throw to first. It was awful. He could not hit anyone on target. And actually, if you watch those two games, you realize, hey, Kirk didn't play great, but Baker was obviously awful, right? But QBR-wise, ESPN's QBR metric, Baker Mayfield actually had a better QBR than Kirk Cousins did yesterday. Both of them terrible. 9.9 for Kirk, 15.6 for Baker. That's a 0 out of 100 scale. That's, you know, awful and, and slightly more awful. But Kirk had an opportunity to still make up for everything that was happening on the field. Multiple times throughout the course of this game. Not just the Hill Mary. Not just the final drive. The entire course of this game. The Vikings could have put, could have put a statement on, and they didn't. So 5% does go to Kirk Cousins. 15% to the sieve of the run defense that the Vikings have constructed. And yes, Dalvin Thompson's grading out nicely. That's, that's been the case the last two weeks. He's had very nice PFF grades. I believe over the last two games for the Vikings, he's been the highest rated defensive individual player. But guess what? You're still allowing 180 yards on the ground. Does that fall on Dalvin Tomlinson? Maybe not. Maybe a little bit. But at the end of the day, your defense cannot stop the run. It's terrible. And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are probably the two best backs in the league. That offensive line for Cleveland also maybe one of the best lines in the league. You, you had a tough, maybe your toughest test 
of the season against a run against a running attack yesterday, but still it's unacceptable. Fifteen percent. That's why they're able to chew so much clock. I go twenty percent to the offensive line. Kind of the similar story, but reverse for the run defense. You're going against Miles Garrett. You're going against the Cleveland Browns defensive line that is damn good. When I'm watching Ole Udo getting literally forklifted, I didn't know this was possible. Seeing Rashad Hill and Ole Udo and everyone literally getting lifted off the ground and spine bustered like he's Triple H in the ring. Like it was kind of comical. It was kind of comical watching the offensive line for the Vikings getting just manhandled by Cleveland. And because of that, Kirk didn't get a lot of time, pressured on 50% of his dropbacks, and the Vikings offense wasn't able to construct much. So, yes, 5% to Kirk, but 20% more of the blame should be placed on that offensive line. And then my final chunk of pie, 60%. I haven't really blamed. I've, I've mentioned that these two deserve blame. I haven't been as critical as Judd and his pie charts on it, but I'm going to loop them together. They're handcuffed at 60%, and it's Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. So I'm trying to figure out who was the who is the blame here because was it Zimmer that told Spielman, I need better defensive players? Was it Spielman saying, all right, Zimmer, here's your players, figure it out? I mean, for God's sakes, Patrick Peterson's a nice player, but he's not a game-changing player anymore. Yes, Dalvin Thompson's grading out nice, but he's really not helping you win more football games. Michael Pierce seems okay. It, it just doesn't seem like it was the best chance to spend a lot of money on your defensive side of the football when now your coach has clearly lost a touch or two. Rick Spielman isn't evaluating and being the, the wizard that he typically is. So I'm putting 60% of the pie on Zimmer and Spielman. So my final pie chart, 5% to Kirk Cousins, 15% to the run defense, 20% to the offensive line, 60% to Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. There it is. 322. Yeah. Formative offense right there. Delvin Tomlinson has been one of the highest graded players on the team through the first month, according to Pro Football Focus, and the run defense is still one of the five worst in right. the NFL. So what's, the pay- so what's the payoff? Well, they miss a lot of tackles. You right. know, they're one of the worst tackling teams in the NFL. Um, I mean, that's a huge part of it. Well, Tom, That's probably all of it, quite so frankly. Here, they can't tackle. Here's the weird thing. I, I'd love to know what PFF grades on for a position like the three-tech or nose tackle. Because what I see and Phil, what never happened, and granted, Kevin and Pat were great. But when the Williams wall was at its zenith, if you ran through the A-gap, you might have got a yard or two, but, like, you ran into a wall. Football. Watch it now. It is three to four yards per pop or more. But, I mean, that they push. I don't understand. Like, you're supposed to have these two mammoth men in the middle so that there's no push. So, so like, if I go, if I, you know, rush against you, I might get a yard. Mm-hmm. But look at it now. It's consistently three, four yards. The guy comes out on the back end of that. That's what I don't get, and that's what what the Williams wall did so well. And what I, I didn't expect these guys to be as good, but I certainly expected a huge step up, and I don't think yeah. that we've seen that. And, and that that's what eats clock and leads to third and four, which I yeah. can convert. Mm. Dude, the other thing, too, on the offensive line, yeah, the offensive line was terrible yesterday. I was watching some of that Dallas-Carolina game, though. Especially mm-hmm. you know, like Dallas, I think Dallas. Were they were they losing at halftime? They came out with like three touchdowns in the third quarter. I think and they kind were. Of blew the doors open. I think you're right. And Carolina has an amazing defensive front, and they've played a weak schedule so far. And this was the first like pretty darn good team they played. But there were so many plays where Carolina would get pressure, and then Dak Prescott would move out of the way or run for twelve yards or keep a play alive. Kyler Murray. It's like the NFL is so different now than it was even when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins to that initial contract like four years ago, right? Yes. Like think about all the 
all the joystick quarterbacks that have come into this league. And like, if you're going to have a guy like Kirk who's not mobile and he's not good against pressure, then you better not be running out experiments and backups along your offensive line. I know. know? And this is what this is. This it's the same. We keep talking about it, but it's so relevant. It's so it's so relevant that they continue to act like, well, Kirk's paid a lot, so Kirk's going to be fine. No. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is the expectation, too. It's like people expect anytime there's any semblance of pressure in a game, people just blanket blame offensive line in the NFL. Well, offensive line was, was terrible. It's like, well, these defensive fronts are designed with machine-like humans to get 10, 15 pressures in a game and get a handful of sacks. Like, you're not going to play Miles Garrett and just stonewall him. You're not. No, I agree. He's going to terrorize you a little bit. How are you overcoming it? What are you doing schematically? How is your quarterback absorbing the pressure and getting the ball out quicker at times? Right? Like, there's, there's, it's such an, we have this imperfect expectation of what a passing game should look like. Watch games around the league. It's not it's not going to be 3 hours of perfect protection and if you need it that way you probably shouldn't be making 35 million dollars to a team salary cap. I'm sorry. And the difference between I think what we saw on Sunday against Cleveland and what we saw in week 2 against Chandler Jones and Arizona was Chandler Jones JJ Watt's still good but he's not great. And Chandler Jones they did a really good job of focusing on him after he had five sacks in week 1 and sort of slowing him down. The difference yesterday was Jadavian Clowney. So like like if they accounted for Garrett and did a good job. Jadavian Clowney was free. And that's the mm-hmm. problem. And I, yeah, it's, I can't explain it. I can't. The only thing I can say is this team, when it's going well, certainly has offensive skill position guys who are great in the case of Jefferson. Thielen's damn good. KJ Osborne, Phil, that toe drag yes. was gorgeous. Beautiful. Like that's a big yeah. lead. He's a really good. Yes. And, and and Kirk can make throws, and this team, like if this is the path, you got to be built around the path offense. So so that's where again I don't care how he grades out. That's where I don't get how you go out and say Dalvin Tomlinson. That's our one big signing, because I will I will give them a pass. Patrick Peterson was signed in a second wave cheaper move. I have no problem yeah. there, and Breland was too. Oh yeah yeah. Exactly. But, I mean, those were more garage sale type moves. But the Tomlinson one is the one where you say you really didn't yeah. invest. And, and you know, as good as Udo played in training camp, and until Sunday's game, I thought that he's actually been solid. But you're right, Phil. He's still an experiment there. Yeah. Hmm. Um. We still have to get the silver linings here and a Judd rant. But let's shout out one of our partners, Moon Motorsports, celebrating 50 years as a family-owned and operated multi-line power sports dealer in Monticello, uh, the most exciting power sports showroom in Minnesota. It's just off 94 in Monticello. One-stop shop for sales, service, and parts. And uh, don't miss out on securing a spot for winter storage as well. They, they'll take care of your motorcycle. Uh, as riding season comes to a close in the safe and secure storage facility. And uh, they are your Honda, Polaris, Can-Am, BMW, Triumph, etc. leader in the Twin Cities. When it comes to motorsports, Moon Motorsports is the place, moonmotorsports.com. Um, 
All right, let's uh, let's take one trip around the room here. Silver linings after just an absolute kick you in the groin loss to the Browns yesterday. I'll, I'll start with KJ Osborne because that was mine. That literally was. was say, let's not all rush yeah. to start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that catch he made on on the sideline. Yeah, I mean that's just a, a beautiful grab, and, and he's he's not just emerging as you know. I, I think at first. I know we had a big game in week one, but I think a lot of people thought, oh, just a nice third wide receiver. And, you know, look, Thielen and Jefferson are obviously one and two and might be the best combo in the league. I think K.J. Osborne's not just a nice third wide receiver. I think this dude's like a legit guy. And he's making big catch after big catch coming up in big moments on third down. Um, I, I K.J. Osborne's not just, yeah, a, a nice depth guy. He's turning into a damn good wide receiver. I mean, Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round pick. Took a while to get going. And then all of a sudden became one of the best receivers in the league. K.J. Osborne... Might have a similar story, but so far through four games, I've been damn impressed with what he's been able to do. So I have KJ Osborne. I'm going to to go with with the guy that was inserted after the first series at cornerback and I think deserves to start, and I know that he uh, definitely has to mature and he's going to get beat at times, Cam Dantzler. Cam Dantzler stepped in, I thought, and played really well. Um, And and Bashad Breland, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just done there. Like, I've seen enough. It's not... I don't know if he's just cooked or what's wrong there. Um, there. There's a chance he does not fit into the scheme because we know for a fact that Zim likes to have complex schemes for, for his corners. Pat P probably is fine there. Uh, Breland is not fine. Cam Dantzler, third-round pick, played pretty well for a guy who, who was forced to uh, start 10 games last year. Of the 11 games in which he played, I like what he brought, I would expect that he will start again on Sunday against Detroit. It's a silver lining. Cameron Dantzler. All right. I'll give you another one on defense, actually. I mean, the, I'll give you a, a couple little, like, defensive bullet points here. Sure. So the defense has only allowed 14 points in its last three halves of football. Uh, second half against the Seahawks, and then 14 points. That was a shutout, and then 14 points yesterday. Yeah. So uh, the last three halves of football, they've, like, However, they've you know been flawed against the run. There's definitely been some leaks in the last two minutes because all fourteen, well, eleven of the points came in the last uh, two minutes of the first half, right? Um, but ultimately, holding opponents to fourteen points over three halves of football is pretty darn good. And Daniil Hunter, we we wake up this morning and Daniil Hunter is uh, he is two pressures behind the three guys who are tied for the league lead, including Miles Garrett. He's got twenty three pressures. In four games, Miles Garrett has 25. Mm-hmm. And uh, Daniil Hunter has five sacks in those four games. He's back. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. So bravo to those aspects of the Vikings defense. His ability to chase quarterbacks all over the field is incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he goes from right to left, um, and it's like, how is this guy so damn fast? Yeah, he's... He is off the charts, athletically gifted. Another silver lining, the Lions at home. It's the easiest game on paper on your schedule. Give me some Man Campbell. Give me some Man Campbell. All right. Thanks. I'll give you some Man Campbell. Dan Campbell doesn't just like football. Dan Campbell loves football. We're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down... We're going to get up, and on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, 
and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're the, going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. Football! Football! Yeah! Football! Football! There you go. This is Lions Week. <laughs> I want more Man Campbell sound too. Like this week, I'd love some stuff. Yeah, let's let's yeah, Dex, can we get Jason on that? Yes, sir. Vikings, Our wonderful assistant producer on this show. Vikings comments from Man Campbell. Definitely. All right, Judd, uh, every week on Mondays, we I, I mistakenly tried to sort of lump this in yeah, with this another good. segment last week. It yeah. deserves its own space, and that's on me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Surly Judd, you must be furious. Brought to you by our friends at Surly Brewing, and here is why. There's a lot, but by the way, I had to parse through this one to get something because there were so many things to be furious about. But this one is it. <sighs> So the Vikings have given up, as I talked about before, more than 100 yards rushing in all four games this year. They gave up a season-high 184 to the Browns on Sunday, and they are spending a combined $84 million on Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson. All due respect to PFF, buzz off. I don't care what Tomlinson's grading out as. And yet, yesterday, Mike Zimmer has the audacity to say he isn't discouraged about his run defense and thinks we are all too fixated on, quote, the stats and, quote, not how things are when it comes to the defense. What in the hell is he talking about? I don't care you gave up seven points. The Browns dominated time of possession. They also converted... On third and 20, we would have laughed at the Vikings for this. They handed the ball off to Kareem Hunt late in the first half on third and 20, and he got 33 yards to set up a field goal. The last time I checked, those accounted for points and were the result of poor run defense and were reason to be disappointed. Stop gaslighting us, Mike Zimmer. There it is. Judge Elgas, surely you must be furious. It is a little weird. It's a a different tone than he normally would strike with a lot of these things this year. It's a little bit of a job preservation tone. Like, hey, this is, I know a good football team. Urban Meyer and Mike Zimmer both like, I know a good football team. (laughs) Urban Meyer. When I see it. Urban Meyer. (laughs) You had to apologize for that viral photo that went around. I didn't realize he let the team fly home to Jacksonville and stayed in Ohio and went to the bar he owns, and that's where he got in (laughs) trouble. Okay, was that? Who was that woman? Was it was it his wife? No, or was a friend. It just... no, no it, it, it was a group. She, she was in a group. And he claimed. Is he married? Or yeah. Is it... yeah, he's married. Yeah. Okay. And okay. he okay. said, my wife is not happy. Can't imagine why. He was getting a little grabby. You know what he is? He's Bobby Petrino, too. He's going to leave a message on the stalls <laughs> of Jacksonville players saying peace out. Yeah, I could definitely he is. He's, see that. He's Petrino. He's greasy. Slimeballish. He's a gutless bee, as Mike Zimmer called. Uh, yeah, Petrino. Petrino. Yeah, yeah, gutless bee. Yep, and he'll yeah, be the coach of the out. USC Trojans. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, there's another round of Vikings wow. therapy. Don't for you gaslight guys. us, Mike. That goes no. in all aspects of life. Don't gaslight. We just people. want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl yeah. before we die. That's our mission statement on this show. Take a step in that direction by beating the Lions next week. Be nice. <laughs> Wouldn't be oh. a very big step. Oh, that's gonna be great. I'm gonna feel real good after beating the Lions. So, all right. uh, Thanks for hanging out with us on this special live edition of Purple Daily presented by Surly. Also, uh, Minnesota Lottery, too. They got these Vikings scratch game tickets. If you want to win some money because the Vikings aren't winning you games, there's a $5 ticket that can win you $100,000. 
going to $2 ticket that can win you $15,000 bonus prizes like Vikings tickets. So, uh, yeah, just say I'm in to Viking scratch game tickets from the Minnesota Lottery. Must be 18 or older to play. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Alex Boone tomorrow and Realistic Randy, Purple After Dark tomorrow.